Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Fire. This is the Pyro Podcast, show number 327. This is week nine of the NFL season. Uh, here at Pyromaniac, we're calling this podcast Week Nine is Sublime. Yes, you're hearing Houdini do an intro uh, because D Rex uh, is unavailable for the podcast this week. He's got travels and lots of crazy stuff going on. So you're stuck with Houdini and Stag Party for this Week Nine is Sublime. How you doing, Stags? I'm good, man. Uh... It was a crazy – today we're actually recording on the trade deadline day of the NFL. It's the craziest one I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, starting to feel a lot more like baseball and NBA at this point because player movement was at an all-time high, or at least for fantasy purposes, you know what seemed like an all-time high. And then I just coupled that up with – I decided I was going to make it my trade deadline, and I made a bunch of moves today as well trying to make my team better, trade off that depth for those marquee plays. So that's what I like to do about this point. I like to, you know, make my moves, position my team, you know, for that playoff stretch run. Yeah, and uh, I actually just completed the waiver wire pickup for this week. I was waiting because I wanted to see what all the movement was going to be. And uh, there's definitely some guys now out there on the waiver wire uh, that are well worth your attention uh, with guys like uh, uh, Demarius Thomas moving on, Amari Cooper moving on, uh, and uh, uh, Golden Tate moving to new places as well. Yeah, and not to mention the teams they go to, but we've got to mention the teams uh, that they're leaving in most of these cases. It leaves a big you know, open gap for guys like you know, Kenny Galladay to really ascend, who's been quiet the last couple weeks. Uh, and then, you know, rookie second round pick Cortland Sutton, who's flashed some big plays and some touchdown ability. Uh, he now becomes a, you know, must add type of play and instantly enters, you know, wide receiver three or flex consideration. So yeah. it, it's big. Yeah. And let me quickly uh, do this. I'm going to mention the teams that are on by this week. And this is a big week. So you got six teams on by. And there's one in particular of a team that made a trade today that's on by. And we'll talk about them before we get into the games. But we got the Cardinals, the Bengals, the Colts, the Jaguars, the Giants, and the Eagles are on by. So uh, shifting to the Eagles, you know, I look at this trade of them acquiring Golden Tate. And I think that a lot of our listeners uh, who have been enjoying the benefits of one Elshon Jeffrey over the past few weeks uh, may be a little bit concerned. And I want to be the one to help talk you off the ledge. I don't think Alshon should be the one that you're going to worry about seeing a decrease. I think the value of Nelson Aguilar has pretty much gone off the table, in my opinion. Yeah, I do agree that it's Nelson Aguilar taking the biggest hit from the wide receiver position. But I also think the guy who takes value that's sort of the uh, doesn't play the same spot, you know, Zach Hurts. They catch a lot of their passes in the same area of the field. Short underneath passes uh, in between the numbers is where Zach Ertz and Golden Tate both operate a ton. So I think there's going to be a little bit of impact on Ertz, who's having a record-setting pace to his season. So I could see that coming back to Earth a little bit here uh, for – the Philadelphia Eagles. But if you look at it for Golden Tate, you know, it's good that they're on a bye week this week. He gets some time to learn the playbook. Uh, It's not going to be a surprise uh, inactive. 
or, or anything like that, like Josh Gordon was in his first week. So I expect Golden Tate to enter, you know, wide receiver three uh, in standard, you know, PPR wide receiver two consideration right away upon returning. But I do agree that Nelson Aguilar in, you know, regular redraft leagues is the guy who's mainly hurt and droppable at this point. And I'll tell you the guy who is the big benefit if you're one of those owners that had reached early in the year and were sitting on him and, and had Carson Wentz. And Wentz has been giving you good weeks, but, you know, with all the great play at quarterback that we've been talking about all year, you know, he's not been at that elite level. And I think the addition of Golden Tate, though, should really help, especially with what they don't have at the running game. Yeah, I I think it's a big boon to Carson Wentz. Uh, another quarterback who gets a big boon is Deshaun Watson, in my opinion, uh, after losing Will Fuller's to see you know the steadiness of Demarius Thomas really help him out so uh, I'm excited by all these moves and it's a big fantasy shakeup but you know I've owned pretty much every single guy that got dealt this year in my main league of record I had Amari Cooper Carlos Hyde Demarius Thomas uh, and that was my sort of trio that really got affected but, well, now you got to trade yeah. for Golden Tate. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm thinking about it. We'll see. <laughs> well, why don't we get in, jump into this week's games, and uh, and we got a, a real doozy uh, for us on Thursday night, uh, the Battle of the Bay, as you got Oakland visiting the San Francisco 49ers, the Oakland Raiders now without Amari Cooper, uh, so and also still without Marshawn Lynch. Uh, the last time that these two teams played, Jordy Nelson went off with, for seven catches for 130 yards and a score. Uh, is he going to be a person that's going to be able to carry it on? Is is Derek Carr a potential streaming quarterback play? Yeah, the last time Jordy went off against these guys, it was like 2013 or something with Green Bay. So I just don't know if he's that same player he was at that point. Um, and we know you know, how the targets sort of shook out last week for the Raiders, sort of surprising to everybody. Um, you know, Brandon LaFell comes from the scrap heap to being the most productive wide receiver last week, along with Seth Roberts. Um, so Jordy Nelson really didn't put up that good in numbers. And the guy everybody expected to really have a blow up, Martavis Bryant, ended up running five stinking routes. Like I can count five routes on one hand. I've still got all five fingers, luckily for me. You know what's interesting? You bring him up because I left him off of the waiver wire piece this week. And you would think just by based on opportunity that he would have that. But based on the way that I see that they are cleaning house there, I don't see that they want to have anything to do with Martavis Bryant long term. Yeah, and I, I just think he's too young for that, man. Gruden's got his eyes on the oldies but goodies. Uh, it's just what he likes, apparently. Um you know, looking at the Raiders, uh, this is a pretty good matchup across the board with the 49ers. If you're still owning Raiders, you know, like Jared Cook, I think that's, you know, a real easy start for you this week. I think he's a top five option at tight end. You know, Derek Carr's in the uh, back end QB1 streaming consideration, um, you know. Doug Martin, I can also see him having a pretty nice week. Uh, he would have ended up with a little bit better fantasy day if he didn't fumble, but he did have you know 89 scrimmage yards and did look explosive on some of those runs. So 
you know, I do expect him to be the main rushing back. Jalen Rashard looks like the guy they're going to go to in passing situations. But, you know, on the other side, C.J. Beathard, you know, looks a little questionable to play this game. He's having trouble holding the ball. And if that's the case, I, I don't know if you're going to need a guy like Jalen Rashard. Yeah, you know, but Rashard is, is – is, he just figures so prominently into that passing game, and especially now – without Amari Cooper, without having to worry about giving, giving him any targets. Um, and just because of the, the type of a, a nightmare matchup that Jalen Richard is when he's coming out of the backfield, uh, I look for him to, to potentially still do some damage this week. I mean, you know, especially in PPR formats, I mean, he seems to just get ridiculously targeted. And, uh, you know, it's never uncommon to see him get seven or eight catches in a game. Yeah, I, I don't love Jalen Richard in this one. I just don't know if they need him. Everybody else I'm pretty okay with, man. Um, at wide receiver, I think it's got to be a watch-and-see situation, but I would be most comfortable going back to the well with Jordy Nelson. Um, other than that, I'm probably staying away. Cook's my favorite play from the Raiders. How about you flip over and talk about the 49ers? Yeah, so the 49ers, you were mentioning about Beathard, and uh, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think the other problem that you have here is that the running back position has just never really solidified itself that you can feel uh, extremely confident, uh, you know, going with Matt Breda. You know, and he he had uh, kind of a breakout game uh, against Green Bay where he was looking good and scored a touchdown three weeks ago, and then he did nothing two weeks ago with uh, 15 yards on five carries, and last week was even more ineffective uh, with only 2.6 yards per carry, 16 for 42. Um, so that worries me, but at the same time, um, you know, as far as if you're looking at the uh, the other wide receivers there, uh, like the guy who's the complete enigma to me, uh, and, and if you're in a big play league, Marquise Goodwin, you know, is that threat at all times. But here he is, four targets. He gets the, just the one catch, but it's a 55-yard bomb. You know, but I'm not putting my faith in anyone else besides George Kittle. And to me, Goodwin is just that guy because of that big play, big strike ability. But, man, I just, I just don't feel good about really any of the other offensive threats on the 49ers. Yeah, I feel a little bit better about Brita than you do. we got to remember that last week he was on the injury report, not even expected to play. Uh, and then – you know, was a late addition. They said he was going to play, but they said he was going to be limited. And then suddenly, bam, 16 carries. So that's that's actually a positive for me, even though he was you know a little bit less effective. He is still third in the league in yards per carry, but I do expect that to continue to regress as the season goes along. I think Rita's a you know running back two or flex play this week. Uh, the other running backs, we thought we might see a little bit of a Raheem Mostert breakout, but he had, what, two carries for nine yards last week. So I, I don't see anything coming between uh, you know Alfred Morris and Raheem Mostert. So I'm pretty excited for Matt Breida, but I, I do definitely agree with you on the read on this wide receiver situation. Although we did not see Pierre Garçon traded today, which is something that many people were expecting. They expected him to be dealt you know, for a, a mid to late round pick, seeing as how, you know, he's really not of use for this team. Um, but George Kittle's the main play here, just like Jared Cook's the main play uh, at tight end on the other side. Kittle is 
third in the, among tight ends and catches and receiving yards, and he's one of only two players with 400 plus yards of yards after the catch. Uh, you know, uh, with Saquon Barkley, that's pretty damn good. And Kittle's also a dominator uh, at the line of scrimmage as a run blocker. So this guy is the complete package. You, he's a guy, if you're playing Dynasty Leagues, you want with a foreseeable future. And I, I, I'm assuming you agree with me. I'm not buying into uh, the 10-target day for Kendrick Bourne. Uh, I, I just can't trust that. I mean, out of necessity, I do think Kendrick Bourne has some value. Do I see another double-digit target day going his way? Not really. But – you know, Garcon was out out last week. Um, they've got you know injuries all over that wide receiver position, but it's probably going to be hit or miss between all those other guys going forward. All right. Well, I think we got, we're done with this game, right? <laughs> yep. So the battle of the bay. So let's move on to the first game, uh, the Sunday game. But again, if you're following along with us, we're following the schedule. That's on NFL.com. Uh, just go to a regular season schedule, week nine. And the second, first game of the, uh, of the uh, Sunday day uh, has our Chicago Bears at the Buffalo Bills in a game where I have to start some of, uh, of these players and I'm really not really looking forward to it. Um, the, Bears, the Bears have been serviceable. Uh, Tariq Cohen obviously was phenomenal on that one screenplay where there was absolutely nobody in front of him, just open ground to run. But you got to look at Jordan Howard too, is that he's starting to start to turn it on a little bit. He's been over 60 yards in each, each of his last four games. And I think that this is one of those games where I don't think the Bears need to do too much. And I don't think that they're going to necessarily uh, you know, be putting on the passing offensive uh, performance. And we saw how Buffalo was able to you know, at least keep the game competitive for a period of time with the uh, New England Patriots. So I actually think this is kind of a rebirth of Jordan Howard game. Yeah, I do agree. I think the Bears should be able to handle this one pretty mightily, uh, but they don't really have uh, the weapons on the outside, you know, that are working and healthy. This could be another game uh, in which Allen Robinson's maybe held out to get healthier for the stretch run. Uh, leaving it to, you know, Anthony Miller and a bunch of sort of miscellaneous pieces to catch passes, you know, besides Taylor Gabriel and Trey Burton. Uh, I do agree that the running backs are the best plays here. Uh, Jordan Howard against the AFC is averaging 140 uh, scrimmage yards per game with three touchdowns uh, on road games versus the AFC. So this guy, you know, Uber consistent. We saw it last week, and we think the defense, you know, should be able to control it here, giving them a lot of opportunities. So I do like Jordan Howard the best in this game. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky has been a serviceable fantasy quarterback. Um, you know, a lot of it has to do with his rushing yards. Uh, he's got over what nearly three hundred on the season now. He's moving the ball well. He's got rushing touchdown upside. So. You know, as a back-end QB1, I could see starting Trubisky. Um, from the wide receiver core, I, I, I'm a little bit more worried, as we talked about with the injuries to Allen Robinson, but also, you know, Tredavious White on the other side, uh, who's been playing really well, uh, shadowing, you know, opponents' top wide receivers. I don't know. I, I assume if Allen Robinson plays, he's the guy he'll cover. 
But uh, other than that, maybe he goes on Gabriel and they use, uh, you know, some bracket coverage in, in other places on guys like Miller and Burton. Yeah, you know, the thing about Trubisky that's interesting, here's here's the, the good and the bad. The good, as you mentioned, is the rushing yards. So he's uh, had only one game where he was held under uh, 10 yards rushing. Uh, his first two games of the year, he was at, at 32 and 24. He hasn't had a game under 47 yards rushing in his last four. So that's extremely encouraging. Now, here's the discouraging part. You go back four games when he was playing Tampa and then Miami. He completed 73 and 71% of his passes in each of those two games. He completed two weeks ago against New England, only 26 of 50, and then last week only 16 of 29. And a lot of those are just errant overthrows. And, you know, one of the things that, that you, you got to worry, too, is is he going to be – you know, he's a young quarterback, came from North Carolina. Is is you know he got to play last year, but is weather going to be a factor for him? Yeah, I I am worried about the weather in Buffalo all the time. Um, let's move on to the other side and talk about the Bills. The Bills are likely to have uh, you know uh, Nathan Peterman has already been named the starter. Lashawn McCoy looked back and healthy, but they're using him a lot as a receiving weapon out of the backfield. Did you uh, hear? Wait, did you hear who they are bringing in for a tryout? No. Matt Barkley. Oh, that's going to be good. Um, yeah, he can really push it through the wind of Buffalo, which is something they like to say, apparently. Um, you know, I'm not interested in anybody in this game. You know, no, I'm not interested but... either. And apparently my dog was not interested in his dinner because he just – Threw up on the bed here. <laughs> oh, nice. This is going to be a great show. Yeah, we're off uh, to a rocket start. Let's uh, move on to the next game here. But before we do that, let's take a listen to our sponsors. So this next game, we've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Carolina Panthers. Um, you know, Jameis Winston's already been benched after throwing – you know, a, a four interception game last week. He has, you know, he's second in the NFL in interceptions despite missing those first three games with the suspension. Ryan Fitzmagic looks to um, continue his hot streak from earlier in the season. Uh, this team has the most passing yards through the first seven games of the season of any team in NFL history. So this is going to be a team that airs it out with no matter who's at quarterback. They have gotten more from Peyton Barber recently. Um, you know, he rushed for 85 yards and a touchdown last week and is averaging 88 uh, yards per game from scrimmage in his last three versus division opponents. So I can really see Peyton Barber, you know, being a solid, if unspectacular, flex play for you. Um, but if you're the wide receivers, I think you've got to be excited to have Ryan Fitzpatrick back under quarterback, uh, back under center. We know he's looking to push the ball down the field. He doesn't give a flying fuck about throwing into tight windows, which is great for a guy like Mike Evans. Uh, he caught a 72-yard touchdown pass uh, last week and had five other catches for 107 yards in that game. Um, usually against this sort of cover three defense of Carolina, there are some room uh, to beat some guys deep down the field. I could see that going on. Deshaun Jackson had another big 
uh, long uh, catch last week. He's been dynamite with Fitzpatrick under center, and Howard has been consistent as ever. Um, the one thing that's really a surprise is a non-trade of Deshaun Jackson this uh, today uh, when he had apparently requested a trade uh, and was looking for you know a new team to play for. But you know this is an organization that's trying to win now. And well, not only that, I'm sorry to interrupt, but the other reason why he wanted the trade, he wanted to get away from Jameis Winston. He, he now is, is happy, I think, that he's got Fitzpatrick back under center. And, and I think that's where it was like, okay, we'll make you happy. How about we're not going to play Jameis anymore? Yeah. I mean, this is just one of those organizations where it's organizational dysfunction through and through. Like, when you can't get a late-round pick for Deshaun Jackson uh, and you're a team that needs to be in rebuilding mode, um, you know, you need to focus on the future – I think that's gross mismanagement, but you've got guys who are, you know, coaching and, you know, general managing the team for their respective and uh, going forward careers that they don't want to get fired. So they want to win as many games as they can. So, you know, when those organizational goals and team goals, and then the goals of the head coach and general manager don't align, I think that's when teams get into the most trouble. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, though, if you're out there on the waiver wire because he was available in 89% of CBS leagues, uh, Fitzpatrick is going to be added in every single league this week. So uh, depending on where you are with your fab budget or where you are on the waiver wire, uh, you should be active for this guy. Yeah, um, I I agree there. Uh, So I think we hit on everybody on the Buccaneers. You want to flip over and handle the Panthers? Yeah, so the one other thing I'll say about the Buccaneers, the, the problem without Deshaun Jackson getting traded is that it hurts Godwin. You know, if had he gone, and I think the perfect place for him is where Demarius Thomas ended up, uh, but uh, it, it would have been uh, kind of fitting for him to go take over the Will Fuller spot and it would have opened up so much more for Godwin, but now apparently that will not be happening. So let's go to Carolina. Um, you know, but uh, the thing here is, you know, you got Cam Newton – who has just not been completely letting it up uh, in the passing game, but I think that he's going to get some more stuff going on. But, man, he finally gave it to you with the running game again last week. 52 yards on the ground with a score, threw for two touchdowns, threw for 219. Um, you know, uh, Christian McCaffrey is, is always going to be a must-start. He was able to get two scores last week. Still waiting for, for McCaffrey to have the – uh, game in, game out, uh, just total dominating uh, with the yards, uh, total yards from scrimmage. He had, uh, he's been kind of quiet, uh, you know, just right around 80, 90 yards over the past couple of weeks, and this last week only at 66. But you're playing against Tampa Bay. This is a team that you're going to be able to get right on. So look for for McCaffrey, and this is their first uh, meeting with Tampa. I think he's going to be a monster, monster play. And I think you got some other sneaky plays in this one, too. So one of the guys that I'm really high on as far as, uh, you know, I, I think if you have Devin Funches, you're going to go ahead and start Devin Funches. I think you can expect a little bit better week. But the thing for Devin, if you own him, he's the guy that's kind of on the decline because we're starting to see a bit more of Curtis Samuel. Greg Olson looks healthy. And the guy who I'm really uh, a fan of is DJ Moore. 
what he's able to do stretching the field, coming back after uh, that two fumble game, and they're they're giving him faith, and they used him in the running game for two attempts as well. I'm I'm all in, and he's the guy that I have claims on this week is DJ Moore, and I own him in another league where I picked him up a couple weeks ago. Yeah, uh, I do like pretty much everybody in this offense against the Buccaneers. This is a spot where you're definitely playing Cam Newton. I think he's my number one quarterback this week. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's a top five running back. Uh, you know, Greg Olson's you know a tight end one. Devin Funchess is a uh, wide receiver two. Uh, I think I've got DJ Moore in the wide receiver three or flex range, but you're right. It is exciting. They are doing good things to get the football in his hands, whether it is in the rush game or in the pass game. So as long as that continues and his snap share continues to rise like it did, uh, that's exciting. So I think you could play pretty much anyone you want here and expect some pretty good results. But Christian McCaffrey, this should be another sort of blow-up game. Um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing this Panthers offense because they've been fun to watch under North Turner. And I, I made I made some jokes at his expense during the offseason, but he has completely adapted his offense to Cam Newton. Um, Cam Newton's you know having the most accurate season of his career. Uh, he's taking care of the football, uh, and they're just doing it all over. So. You know, it's fun to watch right now. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And, and especially since they're at home, I think it makes it even even tastier. So uh, before we get to the next game, I'm going to tell you uh, something you need to know. Do you want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy football league? Well, look no further and download Squad QL. It's the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. Squad QL recommends the best starting lineup for you each week based on your starters bench players, and free agent pool. You may ask, how does SquadQL actually do this? Well, the app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster and your league scoring system. SquadQL then provides waiver and trade recommendations, plus the app gives you player rankings each week, and it's all based on your league settings. SquadQL truly is your go-to app this fantasy football season. Head to SquadQL.com to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy football manager. Squad, Squad QL is brought to you uh, by the creators of Roto QL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by 100,000 DFS players. You can also download Roto QL for free on both Apple and Android. So let's get to the next game, and we got, we got a doozy for you. We got the Kansas City Chiefs uh, visiting the Cleveland Browns who wanted to uh, get rid of Hugh Jackson finally. And we've replaced him with Greg Williams and son. Yeah, and you got rid of Todd Haley, which is also an interesting factor, especially when we talk about you know their you know offensive continuity and what it's going to look like going forward. You know, you want to make this easy on Kansas City because I think you're pretty much starting everyone. Um, you know, Sammy Watkins had a breakout game with two touchdowns over a hundred yards last week. Um, Tyreek Hill. Uh, is a dominant player on the road. He averages 112 receiving yards with 10 touchdown catches over his last eight road games. Um, He's second in the NFL in TD catches already. Uh, Travis Kelsey, you know, is doing it both as a receiver uh, and in the red zone, everything you want. Like this is easy. Kareem Hunt, 
you know, exploded uh, last week up over a defender uh, on one of the best runs you'll ever see. So you're starting pretty much the QB one, the RB one, the wide receiver one, the wide receiver two, and the tight end one for the Kansas City Chiefs. They are the best offense in football, averaging 425 yards a game and 36 points. Yeah, it's crazy. And and the other thing that's amazing about it, too, when you talk about all those guys, is that's basically who they throw the ball to. Um, You know, the target share for anyone not named Hill, Kelsey, Watkins, or Hunt is basically close to nil. (laughs) So, so yeah, that's a beautiful thing. I have nothing to add there. You're definitely starting all of them every week and every week and every week. Yeah, Sammy Watkins is usually the only one that's in conversation on a weekly basis, but uh, this isn't a matchup you really want to fade him, in my opinion, unless you think that you know Denzel Ward ends up on Sammy Watkins more than he ends up on Tyreek Hill. But that's just not something I think. Yeah, and now the other thing, let's flip it over to, to Cleveland because this becomes really interesting, especially as you mentioned that you got rid of Todd Haley as well. Uh, so with Greg Williams taking over, this is also one of those ones where I think that I, if I'm a Baker Mayfield guy, I'm not really liking the direction that this is necessarily taking because with that defensive-minded coach, older school coach, you know, I don't know, is he going to be looking to open it up or is this going to be more of what I believe is going to happen that we're going to see a lot more Nick Chubb? Yeah, I do think we're going to see a lot of Nick Chubb, but this is such a great matchup for uh, Baker Mayfield that I do think he's, you know, in the conversation for streams of the week. Uh, You know, it's hard to not like what you're seeing, um, you know, from Baker at times. There's been flashes. It just hasn't seemed to all come together, you know, at once. We've got to see if this is now – you know, a little bit cleaner. You got Ken Zambezi likely to call the offense. You know, he did a lot of work, you know, with Andy Dalton uh, in Cincinnati over the last couple of years. So, uh, you know, I'm expecting the Chiefs to roll in this one and they're going to have to throw. Um, but also, man, Nick, uh, Nick Chubb, you talked about, looks like a strong play. But Duke Johnson, he's got to be the guy that really brings it together because he's been, you know, used to the tune of four or five touches uh, over the last, you know, and, you know, over the season, unfortunately, but he's one of their most effective players with the ball in his hands. And we've got to see more from this highly paid guy, Jarvis Landry. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm agreeing with you that we, we need to see more from Duke Johnson. I also a hundred percent agree that they are going to be down by at least 14 to eight to 20 points at halftime. So they're going to have to be throwing the ball, but this is where Duke should potentially have a good game because what they need to do is stop trying to keep hitting the long play all the time and just take what's underneath and just get some easy chunk yards and, and get the guy involved. We, we, we know that he has dynamic ability in the open field, but he's just not getting the chances. Yeah. Um, and they've got to target David Njoku. That'd be nice. Like, no targets for David Njoku makes no sense. Yeah, Brashad Perriman got a got a target. Yeah. Um, Antonio Callaway also, you know, caught a touchdown pass that was contested. 
you know, that was good to see for a guy who's been struggling with sort of easy drops. Maybe that gives him some confidence going forward. Uh, he's a guy who should be owned in most leagues because uh, Baker is a guy who will take shots down the field. And, you know, we know Jarvis Landry's not that guy. No, he's not, unfortunately. Let's move on to the next one. Huh? We got the New York Jets. We got the Miami Dolphins. Uh, New York Jets are a walking wounded team, at least last week. They were without Quincy Inunua. They were without Robbie Anderson. Um, Bilal Powell had just been placed on IR. So there was a lot of moving parts uh, for that offense last week, um, and it just didn't work out. Um, But, you know, against this Dolphins team, that's when Sam Darnold has sort of been his best. There's nothing really scary uh, about the Dolphins except for maybe Xavier Howard. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you what what was interesting, too. I uh, went to the game with my buddy who's a big-time Jet fan, and he he kept mentioning about Darnold, and he was so pissed off that the Jets had drafted him because they're like, another USC quarterback, these guys can't handle the weather, and we were watching, and I don't know if you noticed this, but Sam Darnold, while playing in Chicago, had to keep his hands in his pockets until literally right before he was going to snap the ball. And he did it play after play after play. And I'm like, wow, that is, that's nuts. It's, we haven't even gotten cold yet. Uh, <laughs> now, luckily, if you want to play that type of a situation, I like his chances a lot better when he's playing in the warmth of Miami. Um, that being said, you're not going to have Quincy Anunwa for this game. He's already been ruled out uh, with the high ankle sprain. Uh, Robbie Anderson is highly questionable still at this point in time, uh, but he Desperately needs to get him out on the field. Uh, Jermaine Curse, we saw, he's your number one wide receiver. So if you're looking just for like a pickup and and a chance to play for a a plug and play if you're uh, dealing with the bye week, he did get 10 targets last week, and and he should be able to do a lot better than the three catches for 30 yards against the Dolphins uh, that he did with that that game against the Bears. Yeah, uh, I agree with a lot of your points. I do think Isaiah Crowell, though, is a little bit of a better play than people are expecting. You know, we had a real down um, game last week against the Bears, but they're the only team in the league who hasn't allowed a rushing touchdown, and they can really just key in on them. Uh, against the Dolphins, though, it's pretty rosy. Um, the Dolphins are one of just three teams in the league right now that have allowed over a thousand rushing yards to. Uh, opposing running backs, you know, wow. they are giving it up. Uh, so I expect Isaiah Crowell to be a pretty strong play in this one. But, you know, on the deeper leagues, you are getting Elijah Maguire back uh, from IR likely this week. He started practicing last week. So that could be an interesting, you know, running back pickup who is good in both the rush and the uh, receiving game. I like your point about Isaiah Crowell, though. I mean, he he does have a history of having like his bigger games after a complete dud. So um, his big game this year was after uh, he had zero yards, uh, and then he comes back with two hundred and nineteen. Uh, he did it uh, a year before, the year earlier. He had a forty-one yard game, and then comes back with one hundred and twenty-one. Uh, has a fifty-four yard game, comes back with a one fifty-two. 
a uh, 44 uh, followed by a 113. Now I can tell you what his games after are. They're like 28, 33, <laughs> and 25. But this is where people get like uh, unsold on him, right? And then they, and they they bench him for this game, and then he scores those big points on your bench. So this is one, as I agree with you, maybe maybe even if you're rolling it down to a flex, but he's definitely, I, I think, should be a low-end running back too. Yeah. Um, flipping over to the other side, you want to talk uh, – uh, the other interesting play for the Jets for me is Christopher Herndon, uh, the young tight end. He's got three straight games with the touchdown catch. Uh, they're using him in the red zone, and he's becoming more and more integral to the offense, especially as they're you know battling through all these injuries. So if you're desperate for – sort of a tight end play, that's a guy you could look at picking up. Yeah, so moving to the Dolphins, um, do we, uh, Tannehill's not going to be playing again, is that correct? Um, I haven't heard any good news on Ryan Tannehill, so I'm going to assume no. I heard I heard he was throwing, but it, it, it still didn't look good. So I'm going to assume, uh, as we're talking about this what's right now. What's the difference between that and any normal day for Ryan Tannehill, though? Well, probably not too much. And the other thing is, too, as far as what uh, how they've been decimated uh, at wide receiver now, uh, it's reopened the door for, for one Devontae Parker, um, who is also going to be one of the more highly added uh, uh, wide receivers this week uh, after his uh, six catches for 134 yards against uh, uh, Houston. But I, I think in this matchup, if I'm looking uh, against the Jets, we saw what Tariq Cohen was able to do, uh, you know, when they were able to get him in space against this defense. I, I really like Kenyon Drake. I think that he, uh, this is one of those games that he could really uh, potentially exploit for some really big plays. Uh, I think Parker will, will will be involved, but I don't necessarily think the Dolphins are going to be uh, uh, passing the ball as much in this game as, as they maybe normally would. And, and I'm just telling you this, the, the Mike Kosecki, that guy is a highlight reel for every every like spin wheel, pinwheel, flip them type of a hit, and he keeps trying to hurdle people. I don't know what he's thinking. Yeah, one of these days that's going to end up badly. Uh, you did mention Kenyon Drake. I think he's a good play here. Uh, interesting to note, you know, when you're watching uh, four, you know, maybe milestones, um, you know, Frank Gore just needs 46 yards from scrimmage to pass Barry Sanders for six votes uh, all time in NFL history. So, you know, I think he's going to get that this week. It'll be an interesting you know, milestone because nobody's ever going to put Frank Gore up there with Barry Sanders in terms of what they, what they brought to the football field. Uh, I would have to agree with that, <laughs> but I think, yeah. I think he'll get his yards this week. That's the, one of the things too. Frank Gore is, is one of those guys that he has just been uh, a pure, uh, great floor guy pretty much all year besides uh, uh, weeks two and three, where he didn't really do anything. He's, He's really just been kind of very consistent, giving you at least that five to, to, to potentially 10, 11 fantasy points per week. Yeah. Um, at the wide receiver position, you mentioned Devontae Parker. I liked him as the guy uh, to potentially have a blow-up game last week that came to fruition. I, I don't really expect anything less. I think he could have another big game here. So if you're looking for you know a wide receiver three or flex play with some upside, Parker fits that. Um the question is, are guys like Kenny Stills uh, going to be able to return from injury? 
Uh, that might knock him down a little bit. But, you know, if it's Parker, Amendola, and Durant again, it should be good uh, for these guys. Yeah, especially for Parker. Yep. After he, after he was bitching and his uh, agent was bitching, uh, that was a it was a good timing of injuries and in, in that game last week. Well, he looked right. It's like yeah, Devontae Parker's not hurt and he's talented, so you might want to play him. And then he showed you up a little bit. Yes, he did. <laughs> um, do we have anything else we want to say about this game? Um, I'm good on this one. All right, well, before we get to our next game, which will be the Steelers at the Ravens, one hell of a rivalry, why don't we take a break and listen to a word from our sponsors? Well, all right, Steelers at the Ravens. This is always a fun matchup to watch. Uh, some some great memories of, of these series. Uh, we got Ben Roethlisberger coming into this game. He has an injury on the index finger of his non-throwing hand. Uh, we still have no sign of Le'Veon Bell. Uh, James Conner coming off of a monster performance. Uh, this now against a team in their division that they know each other extremely well, a team whose defense is allowing a league-best uh, only 293 yards or 94 yards of offense, total offense per game. Uh, this should be uh, one fun game. Is this the game where it becomes basically the Roethlisberger to Antonio Brown show? Uh, no, I think Ben's going to continue to do what he's done and spread the ball around, uh, use James Conner out of the backfield, uh, James Conner's been playing spectacularly this season. Uh, we are on Le'Veon Bell watch yet again. He could show up, you know, tomorrow uh, for this game. But if so, the Steelers got to almost let him go, right? Like, you just got to let him, you know, you you could put him on a, a leave list for two weeks unpaid, apparently. So I think you got to really think about doing that because your football team is playing well. Um, they've got, you know, continuity on the offense. Connor looks like a stud in the making, but if he comes back, it's going to be big questions at the running back position. Um, but I'm pretty much playing everybody here. I'm playing Connor, playing Juju, playing, uh, Antonio Brown. The, the only guy I'm not so sold on is probably big Ben himself, but I still think you got to play him in this matchup if you're playing all his other weaponry. Um, yeah, in the tight end, I do think Vance McDonald's is probably a pretty good play here. That It's really one of the ways you can attack the Ravens um, when you spread them out and use the tight ends. So I look forward to it. Yeah, this is one of those ones. I, I, look, I look at you, ben, Big Ben's history against Baltimore. So he's faced them 22 times. Uh, he's got 12 wins, 10 losses. Uh, he completes 60% of his passes for an average of 247 yards a game. Uh, and he's thrown 35 touchdowns and 23 interceptions. You know, this is just one of those. It's a pure, great rivalry. You know, Baltimore is always up for this game and they're at home for this one. This is one where I know he's been doing a good job of spreading around. I don't, I just don't. I don't like Big Ben in this matchup. Um, I, I, I obviously I'm still starting 
him if I have him. I'm just tempering my expectations. Um, but to me, it's it's one of those ones where, you know, is it going to be Antonio Brown or is it going to be uh, Juju Smith-Schuster? Because I think that one of them is going to have a much better game than the other. Uh, you know, and, and sometimes it's not always clear how that how that's dictated. But uh, Antonio had the big game last week. He got the two uh, touchdowns. And a- Antonio, in, in his career against Baltimore, it's, it's 16 games. Uh, he's only caught four touchdowns. So it's almost like they always take him out. And so maybe this is the one where it becomes a big juju game. Yeah. Um, he's got a TD catch in his only career game against Baltimore, uh, Juju. Uh, let's flip over to the Ravens side of things. Uh, Joe Flacco, um, you know, against this team earlier in the season, he completed 66% of his passes for 363 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, he's had, you know, three straight or two straight games going in with two plus touchdown passes, uh, you know, he's just playing well. They're not, you know, feeding the run game like typical Ravens teams. They are sort of a pass first team, you know, with John Brown. And, and the last game they played, he had three catches for 116 yards and a score. Um, you know, he's played really well against the Steelers in his career. Um, you know, at, at wide receiver, Michael Crabtree. You know, I don't have anything great to say about him. He's got 38 catches for 440 yards. Um, you know, he's, he's sort of there. I don't have a great Crabtree take. Yeah. He'll get you. He'll get you four for 50 with a chance for a touchdown, but his touchdown scoring opportunities have been limited. This is a run first team in the red zone, and when they're passing there, it seems like they're looking to one of their eight tight ends first. Yeah, that's the point, is that when I look at this team, and the other thing that's crazy is I think on the year he's either number one or number two for targets. It's Willie Sneed. Um, and he keeps getting a heavy target share, and he keeps ending up with about 50 to 60 yards. <laughs> so yeah. eventually maybe he's bound to break through, but this is the problem. John Brown's your big play player. Crabtrees, you're going to be more of that possession type of a guy and a guy that you would use in the red zone, but they just don't get there all that often. And then you have Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst, Nick Boyle. You had all of these guys in there. And, oh, by the way, we throw the ball to Javorius Allen. And, oh, yeah, we have Chris Moore who we throw the ball to as well. Um, so <laughs> there's just too many miles and, and not enough yards all the way around. And even with that said, it, it makes Joe Flacco to, at times just – uh, you know, borderline startable, probably not, you know, type of a quarterback. So, and against, uh, you know, let's, let's see how in Flacco in his career uh, going up against uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, so he, he's faced the Steelers uh, 20 times, 10 and 10. Uh, he averages actually thrown for only 233 yards a game, 25 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. So it's meh. These are tough games. Meh. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, the one thing that's concerning for Joe Flacco is they are starting to use Lamar Jackson, you know, on some of these keepers, and it's sort of affecting, you know, guys like Alex Collins as well. 
But when they're using Lamar Jackson, it's also opening up some rushing lanes for Alex Collins. So it's a little bit of a plus and a minus uh, to the running backs. Not a, and Joe Flacco is just standing there with his hands on his hips. Um, let's flip over to the next game. What do you say? <laughs> oh, yeah, I got my hands on my hips right now. I'm ready to go. <laughs> when you dip, we dip, we dip. <laughs> or you can go do the Rocky Horror. Take a, take a, what? Put your hands on your hips. Inside. All right, go on. It is Halloween, so I guess that is the better call here. Nice. Um, uh, so moving to the next game, we got the Detroit Lions at the Minnesota Vikings. You know, both teams. Um, we saw, we talked about the moves for um, Detroit. Uh, you know, moving Golden Tate, who was on an expiring deal. You know, they got an asset for him before he left in free agency. Um, he was their leading receiver, you know, going into the game, their league leading target share guy. So those that that's 27, you know, percent of the throws that are now going to be divided up uh, amongst guys like Galladay and Marvin Jones, who had a big week last week. Um, you know, TJ Jones also likely to get some work as the slot replacement if he's healthy. But also, we got to remember this team looks committed to carry on Johnson. Um, you know, he struggled as a rusher last week, but he did show it as a receiver. Uh, he's really starting to string together some games. Um, so I could see, you know, carry on being a beneficiary in the passing game as well, because it looks like he can do everything, man. Um, yeah, you know, I almost think that this is also one of those moves that was a great move to, to, to move a wide receiver. Uh, whether it was going to be Golden Tate or Marvin Jones, just so that you could get uh, not have to worry about how we're using all these guys. Now Galladay can be out there all the time. And he made this move happen based on the way he played in the, in the beginning of the year and almost every time that they've ever gotten him on the field. And last week he only got the uh, one target. Uh, you know, So he's been very, very quiet. He now becomes immediately a yes, you can start him every week. Uh, Golden Tate is a guy that you talk about that target share. It, it was quite impressive. So he had 12 targets last week. Uh, then before it's six, seven, eight, eight, 13, 15, you know, he's basically a 10 target a week that gets split up. If you get an extra three, four five targets for your guy, uh, all of a sudden it makes a huge difference. And uh, I think as we all know, I'm a big carry on Johnson fan. It, it was nice. It's also nice to see that, they are committed to using him in, in both facets, uh, so he becomes a guy that you can keep on the field in those third and longs, um, especially with uh, Theo Riddick. You know, he's been able to prove that he can do it. Um, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more. He had 12 targets last week, only six catches, but, uh, but he's proving that once he gets the ball in his hands, he can just make people miss. So I almost kind of think that the offense kind of tightens up uh, a bit more and it becomes I'm much more of a fan now uh, with a Galladay and a Marvin Jones on a weekly basis, and I keep getting more and more confident and carry on every week. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, we also are likely to see more two wide receiver sets here. Um, that's something that's going to open up. So we'll see a little bit more uh, from the tight end position that we haven't seen in Michael Roberts, uh, maybe potentially Luke Wilson a little bit deeper. Um, so I, it's going to be a trickle-down effect for everybody. Stafford's not going to have, you know, his safety blanket that he has had over the last couple of years. Uh, and they are missing one of the most, you know, dependable yards after the catch players in the entire league. 
Yeah, so why don't we go ahead and flip it over to the other side. So we got the uh, uh, the, the Minnesota Vikings, who uh, another team uh, coming off of a loss last week, uh, and Kirk Cousins, uh, who, you know, when you look at the stats, you say, wow, he threw for 359 yards, uh, two touchdowns. That interception, though, boy, what was he thinking? It Well, it's a drag route, so – Usually, Stefan Diggs, if it's versus man, you got to keep going. If it's zone, you sit. They were playing man. He had to keep going. But, you know, sometimes shit just happens on a football field. So um, I don't think you can put that one on Kirk Cousins. Um, there's a little bit of just nuance and communication that goes into it that everybody's got to happen. And sometimes the guy just stops right as you're loading up to throw. And then it's it's an easy pick six. Well, I'll tell you what, the, the one thing that you can always count on, and that's Adam Thielen. Um, I think that uh, it, it's uh, quite the year that that young man is having. And uh, that catch that he made last week, pulling the ball over the dude's head, uh, was, was ridiculous. Um, you know, I'm, not, I'm, I'm definitely going to say uh, uh, that, that if I'm betting, man, I, I'm betting he goes over 100 yards again. Um, I say this is a good one for him to get a touchdown. Uh, again, I think Stefan Diggs, uh, this should be, I, I, I you know, you're going to have, uh, uh, who's the, uh, Darius Slay. Uh, Darius Slay. Is he, he's got to, he's going to have to follow Thielen, I would imagine. Yeah, but Thielen plays so much in the slot, Slay's not going there. Right. So, you know, Diggs had a uh, 10 catches and 119 yards. Um, he averages 88 yards per game against Detroit. You know, I don't look at any of these guys as down plays this week. You yeah. Know, even Kyle Rudolph, two touchdown catches in their last meeting. Um, it, it's been good all around for this passing game. If Latavius Murray is still um, the running back and, you know, no Dalvin Cook until maybe potentially after their bye week, that's coming up here pretty soon. If Latavius Murray's still there back, man, you got to be excited for him. He's had at least 80 uh, scrimmage yards and a touchdown in each of his last, what, three games. Um, so, you know, he's playing really well. And, you know, Detroit still can't stop the run, uh, even after sort of acquiring Stax Harris. And they're still giving it up at, you know, five plus yards a clip. Yeah, and Murray, as you mentioned, he he has now uh, four rushing touchdowns over the last three games. Yeah, and he's so. averaging four point seven yards to carry on the season. So if he's playing, I'm starting Murray for as long as I can, man. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, all right, I think that's that's everybody on that one, right? <laughs> yeah. Next game, we've got the Atlanta Falcons at Washington Redskins. Before we get too deep into it. Let's uh, listen to this. We've got the Atlanta Falcons coming off a bye week last week. Um, You know, two weeks ago, they did beat the New York Giants. Um, The Falcons, you know, without, you know, Devonta Freeman for the year, it looks to be Tevin Coleman and Ito Smith. But this is going to be a pass first football team. That's the really exciting part. And Julio's having an insane season yardage-wise, and it's equally insane that he doesn't have any receiving touchdowns. 
It's unbelievable that he doesn't have any receiving touchdowns. 53 catches for 812 yards in seven games. I got nothing to say. It's insane. Like, I cannot place it. Um, But, you know, Matt Ryan, if you're a Matt Ryan over and you got him off the bye week, you got to be excited for that guy now. Um, You know, he's playing the best football outside of his MVP season. He looks to be playing on a similar level. Their defense can absolutely stop nobody. They're giving up 420 yards a game and 30 points a game. So this offense is geared for shootouts. So you're looking at everybody here as a strong play. Um, You know, Ryan's a strong play. Tevin Coleman, uh, you know, He's not the greatest play. I think he's more of a back-end RB2 or flex play. The Redskins have absolutely smothered opposing running backs uh, so far this season. Like No no RB1 against them this season is more than 50 yards rushing. But I do think he could have you know 60 yards, 70 yards from scrimmage, and uh, a, a touchdown You know in his range of outcomes is the most likely potential outcome. And... You know, Edo Smith, I don't think this is a great one for him, uh, but they could use him as a scat back in the passing game uh, and maybe get some life out of him that way. But and, you know, and at, he's also a vulture. Yeah. I don't know how long that continues, man. He's tiny. But maybe they're using that sort of to hide him behind the defensive uh, and offensive lines. Hard to see him, hard to kill him. Yeah, and as long as it's effective, why wouldn't you keep doing it? So, and I, and I love Calvin Ridley for this game too. I, I you know, he's just showing up, and, and especially when you think about the touchdown. So, I want to go back to Julio for a second. All right. So, in his career, you know, he's he's almost got ten thousand yards. Is that good? That's pretty good. Um, he has six hundred and thirty-eight catches. What percentage of those catches are touchdowns? One in his career, six hundred yeah. no six six point seven percent. Forty three career touchdowns. All right. Yeah. What about over the last two seasons? He's had what a hundred and fifty catches and three touchdowns, give or take. Uh, so let's see the last two seasons. He has a total of well, this year and last year. Yeah. So three touchdowns with uh, 131 catches mm. and uh, 2,200, 2,300 yards. <laughs> Pretty ridiculous. Um, yeah, but I think you're open to playing all these wide receivers, including you know Mohamed Sanu, uh, who's had a touchdown in two of his last three games and has just been consistent as all hell. Uh, another guy you like against the Redskins, who's probably one of their you know best matchup weapons, is Austin Hooper, who's you know been ascending. Yeah, he's been really uh, getting a, a much bigger target share as of late. I think a lot of that also has to do with the fact that it is Tevin Coleman and Edo Smith. So with Devonta Freeman there, I think that he uh, Freeman really ate into a lot of the uh, passing opportunities and targets that Hooper uh, would have been, is getting now and is the beneficiary of. But he's doing a good job. He's doing a good job with those catches and making good plays. Yeah, you want to flip over to the other side. Yeah, so the other side of the ball, I, I, you know, I, I would say, you know, one of the best benefits that you have in this is that you have a 
Uh, Atlanta Falcons defense that's allowing 419 yards a game. Um, so that's very good positive. Uh, this is an offense, though, that uh, just has not been all that exciting. Um, it, you know, where we are excited for this offense, it's basically become one player. <laughs> that's Adrian Peterson. And wow, the resurgence, though, and the, and the game that he had last week, the 64-yard run, uh, blows up for 149 yards. He's done it both this year. He's actually added some of those games where he's been doing it as a receiver as well. So right now, you're if you're the Washington Redskins, you're still leading this game with Peterson. But I think that, as you and I agree, I would think we agree, they're going to probably find themselves behind more in this game because they're not playing the New York football giants. And I think that Peterson will have to do more as a receiver in this game. Um, Chris Thompson, I think, is the guy that I like for electric opportunity. I think that, uh, you know, he probably ends up in this game with uh, it should be, you know, probably six, seven, eight catches uh, at least. And, uh, you know, can Jordan Reed actually do something with his targets this week? That'll, that, that should open up for him against, uh, uh Atlanta. And I, and I look for him to, to finally make a fantasy breakthrough where he actually uh, watch highlights and be like, Oh, Hey, Jordan Reed. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, Chris Thompson, the worry with him is injury right now. He's got like broken ribs on both sides, uh, of his ribs and it's pain tolerance. So, you know, he could start off well and sort of get dinged uh, and then be taken out of the game all of a sudden. You're like, where the hell is Jordan Reed? That Or where the hell is Chris Thompson? That'd be the reason why, um, you know, other players, you know, like that. Um, you know, Jordan Reed – all the targets last week, as you mentioned, lots of catches. He's actually the second uh, fastest tight end in the history of the NFL to reach 300 catches. He did it in just 59 career uh, games. That's basically five catches a game for Jordan Reed when active. So in PPR leagues, I think you're sticking with Reed. Uh, in standard, you need a little bit more from those yards. Just didn't come last week. Um you know, at receiver, Paul Richardson was back and healthy. But, man, they're, they're just struggling at that wide receiver position. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there's just no consistency. And there's you, you also have the problem that it is Alex Smith. And Alex Smith just does not like to continually challenge down the field. He's looking for the best option. Who's open? Where can I just get some yards? And that's usually the check down. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that, well, that's why Chris Thompson, as long as if he's out there, I, I still like his chances because uh, especially of the check down. Yeah. Let's flip over to the next game. we got the Houston Texans at the Denver Broncos, two teams that, you know, made a trade, you know, today, uh, trading Demarius Thomas for a fourth rounder. Um, or, and now we're looking at, you know, him returning to Denver in his first game at home. <laughs> so he's going to be pretty comfortable there. I, I think he's going to be well acclimated to the altitude. And, and and you think he might get up for this game a little bit? You got to think so. Well, the question think- is how much the playbook is he going to know? 
Well, but there, always. Is, there is one thing that he does know is that he knows the Denver Broncos. So where that can play into his advantage going against these guys in practice every day, he may know certain guys that he has better advantage over and can uh, relay that uh, to the coaching staff and to Sean Watson. And when they see certain situations come up, he may be able to exploit that uh, more so in a first game than other guys that are traded are able to do just because of the fact that you're playing uh, against your old team and after you were just practicing with them again until yesterday or today. Yeah. You know, looking at it from the Texans' side, uh, you know, you're starting Deshaun Watson coming off a five-touchdown game. Um, oh, he's got so much upside uh, on a weekly basis. He's doing it as a rusher as well. Um, there's nothing you dislike about Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, that offensive line. Hey, well, Stags. The, yeah. the, one, the one thing I dislike about Deshaun Watson is that I was playing him last week. Oh, I'm sorry, man. Yeah, I, I had one of those games where uh, I lost. I had, we had the two highest scores. I lost 183 to 159. Oh, that's always fun. My favorite part of fantasy is being the second highest scoring team playing the first. <laughs> Delightful. That's why week nine is going to be sublime. Yeah. Um, you know, Lamar Miller? Two straight games with 100 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, who is this guy? Who is this guy? He's been breaking off, you know, sort of chunk runs. Like, there's some explosion there. Um, you know, we knew he was consistent to the tune of 70 or 80 scrimmage yards, but if he can give you these 100-yard bonuses or touchdown, you know, opportunities, you got to be excited for him. I, I am excited for him, although I, I – It'll be interesting to see if if uh, he's able to have that success in, in Denver. Um, you know, maybe the best opportunity for that is if you start running maybe at Vaughn Miller and let his over pursuit open up a hole, uh, kind of like what happens uh, uh, with uh, with JJ Watt on the other side. Uh, yeah. That the best place to, to run at a, at a at a at a pass rusher is right at him. So. Um, Over the last five weeks, the Denver Broncos have allowed 775 rushing yards uh, to opposing running backs. Well, so, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks pretty. It lines up well for Lamar Miller again. Um, you know, so looking at that, you know, you're excited for him, DeAndre Hopkins. You know, Kiki Kuti could be out of this game with the hamstring injury. But if not, he plays a completely different position than Demarius Thomas. So I'm not really worried about his overall impact. Plus, Kuti's got speed to where, you know, maybe he is the uh, de facto field stretcher in some situations as well. So, you know, Kuti's an interesting guy to pick up on the waivers. Um, You know, a lot of people are him off with this Demarius Thomas trade. Well, I think the reason why is is that, you know, Will Fuller was – just such that one-dimensional player uh, for the most part that he was never a guy that was going to steal a lot of targets. Uh, and I, I worry for Kuti in the sense that where Will Fuller was a guy giving you four, five, six targets maximum per game, uh, and now you got a Demarius who most likely is going to generate eight, nine targets a game, um, and I don't think you're taking anything away from DeAndre Hopkins. His game stays exactly the same. He just has more of, of a person on the other side that can do damage, which is why he's going to get his seven, eight, nine targets a game. 
And a Kuti then depends on game flow, I, I think. I'm a little bit higher on Kuti. Okay. I just think he's, he added a lot to the offense when he was healthy earlier this season. Uh, you know, the short yardage is where he's going to excel. Um, any sort of a matchup nightmare in that realm. So I, I look for Kuti to make more of an impact. Plus, this is a team that's going to have to throw more than 20 passes a game like they did last week. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, again, uh, it's all game plan. It's like if Lamar Miller is able to to run like that, you're just not going to throw as many passes. But hell, when you throw, uh, you know, we talk about uh, uh, Julio Jones, six point seven total percent of his catches in his career have gone for touchdowns. Uh, Deshaun Watson was uh, one out of every five passes was a touchdown last week. Yeah, pretty good. No, one out of four. Um, I'm sorry, one out of four. Yeah. Um, what else we got in this game? Um, uh, we did see some some things out of rookie Jordan Thomas who caught two touchdown uh, catches last week. I don't think that's something that's likely to you know be an every week occurrence. But he's a guy to monitor um, if you're struggling at the tight end position. But think about Hopkins, think about that Jordan Thomas, just like we had the Michael Roberts two touchdown game two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, so it happens sometimes. It happens, happens, but you can't. You get that guy, you're not going to get the yardage, and, and you're hoping for a touchdown. Yeah, um, flipping over to the Broncos. Yeah, so the Broncos now. Uh, I I'm excited for another guy that that gets elevated because of Demarius moving over. Uh, that's Cortland Sutton. Um, you know, now he really gets an opportunity. Uh, to shine and get him some more targets uh, as they're going to have to spread the ball around. Uh, I think this kind of makes almost everybody on that offense now take a little bit of a step up, knowing that you don't have to worry about Demarius. So Emmanuel Sanders, uh, I think, uh, is is a, a guy now who probably ends up getting, what, probably close to 10 targets a game. And uh, and then Corton Sutton's going to be a guy who's going to jump up from his three or four to to six, seven, eight. Uh, and again, the other guy who just is, you know, when you look at the running backs, I love Philip Lindsay. The guy just gets it done as anytime you give him the ball, whether it be as a runner, as a receiver, uh, whatever they're asking him to do, he's dynamic. And, he, and, he, and he's proving that while Royce Freeman is just kind of more of that, churn it out guy he has just got lightning in him and the ability that he's done it as a rusher too you know you thought he was maybe a little undersized he's just so lightning fast it's just and he's so fun to watch yeah you know? that guy's got a gear uh he could just see a hole in it accelerate i'm not sure there's many players in the nfl that accelerate as quick as that guy does um so i do agree you know, Royce Freeman was out last week. That allowed for sort of a big ascension from, you know, that side of the ball and from Philip Lindsay. It allowed for a lot more carries to go his way. It's hard to see him getting that much work on a weekly basis. I think they like him in his 12 to 15 touch sort of range on a weekly basis. Um, but, yeah, when you're playing that well, I think they're going to try and feed you. And, you know, he is a little bit of a question mark, you know, heading into this next week, especially when they have a week 10 bye coming up. Um, maybe you don't rush the young kid and you go with the combo of Lindsay and Booker. 
uh, at, at the running back position. And Booker didn't look that bad last week either, you know, getting 78 yards on nine carries uh, and, and adding four catches for 20, uh, 23 yards. So I, I agree. And, and, and uh, I just, I, I look at Royce Freeman as I don't, everyone had these high, high hopes for him at the start of the year is because nobody knew about Lindsay. And I think we all know now, um, let me talk about case Keenum for a second, because here's a guy that's always out there as a potential quarterback, uh, that you could stream, uh, this game, uh, against the Texans. Uh, you know, I don't know that I want to do that, especially with, without the Demarius Thomas, this is one of those games where is JJ Watt going to be all over his back. At the end of the day, I still think Case, Case Keenan probably doesn't throw for the 320 yards that he's done a couple uh, weeks in a row before last week. I think it's more like last week, but maybe like a 240, 250, two touchdowns and one interception, which is like what he has done. How many times has he done that? Uh, one, two, three. Three of his last four games have been two touchdowns and an interception. <laughs> yeah, I, I can definitely see that being the range of outcomes. Uh the Texans' defense, though, is very banged up in the back end. So if they're getting, you know, dinged in this game, or if Deshaun Watson's able to hang up some points, could be another garbage time play. Um, you know, Cortland Sutton's going to be absolute chalk in DFS this week. Uh, there's so many, you know, you know aspects going into it with you know the beat up defense. Uh, the elevation and roll, the dirt cheap price, um, and then the air yards and uh, you know, red zone usage going into it that he's going to be on everybody's fucking lineups. I, I don't, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. But it also could be one of those games where he has a great game. You know, kind of being like, "Hey, Demarius, on the other side, this is why they let you go. Here's the future." Yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, you want to move on to the next one and sneak an ad in here? Sure. You want to sneak it now? You want to sneak it after the Chargers? Yeah, let's sneak it. All right, guys. We're gonna well, we'll talk about the Chargers and the Seahawks. But as we just teased you, you got to listen to this first. Chargers Seahawks. We've got a pretty sick game here. The Seahawks play well at home. The Chargers are coming off a of bye week coming off their London game in week seven, which uh, narrow defeat, uh, a narrow win against the Tennessee Titans. Um, you know, the Chargers are playing good football. They're five and two. Uh, Melvin Gordon should come back healthy after getting a bye week to rest. So I'm excited to see what these guys have in store because this offense is averaging, you know, nearly 28 points a game, 400 yards, uh, they're just doing it. So I'm excited for to see what the Chargers have for the stretch run, maybe see if they can get Keenan Allen a little bit more involved. But this offense is one of the absolute best in the NFL right now. Yeah, and well-rounded is probably the best way to say it too. So, you know, because Melvin Gordon has been as consistent as he has been, uh, what is it, over his uh, – uh, he's had three games in a row with over 120 scrimmage yards and a touchdown – uh, and, and then his past 10 games on his road, on the road, he has, uh, 1179 yards with 14 touchdowns. I expect oh, them good. to lean, I expect them to lean on him in this game on the road in Seattle. I expect them uh, to do that. And this is why Philip Rivers, he gives you some of those big games because 
the way they throw the ball, it is you talk about air yards. That's what the Chargers do. They just, they're like the old school Air Coriel and just throwing it down the field. But he's not getting the 50 attempts that he had been doing in years past because of the way Melvin Gordon's playing. So you're getting uh, – he hasn't even had over 30 attempts uh, in any game since uh, week four. And uh, But even with that, he's either throwing for two or three touchdowns every week. Yeah. Um, Philip Rivers is awesome. He's got a great you know schedule going down the stretch. So he's somebody I look to acquire – uh, you know, this week, uh, especially as an Andrew Luck owner, you know, being on bye week and his schedule down the stretch is, you know, a little bit tougher. So uh, he's somebody I look to acquire. Uh, we talked about Melvin Gordon. He's locked into your lineups as a top five RB play. Um, Austin Eckler, you know, he's a flex play at best, but you could see a little bit of run. If the Seahawks are able to stop the game, uh, stop the run game, uh, Tyrell Williams has been a you know good play of late. He's he's had what you know th- nearly two hundred and thirty receiving yards uh, and three t- touchdown catches over his last two games. Keenan Allen's been consistent, but the scorers haven't been going his way. I wonder if that's something that's going to have to change a little bit here. But I expect the offense to keep humming. Did you see? Did you see though in London when Keenan Allen got pissed? Yes. So this is one of those games too. So coming off of the bye, uh, Allen being as pissed as he's been. I mean, look, he he's normally used to getting such a heavy target share. Um, you know, he always only had eleven targets over the last two games. I think yeah. that, I think that pisses him off. And, and the other thing is that. What he hasn't had a touchdown since opening week, um, and uh, he has not had a hundred yard game since opening week, opening game. That that's the frustration starting to come through, and this becomes one of those games, especially coming off the bye. You want to make sure you're five and two. You want to make sure that you keep everyone happy. I think this is the game that he gets fed. All right, I'd be happy to see it. Um, let's flip over to the other side. Let's flip over to the Seahawks. The Seahawks. Man, they are, you know, barely giving Russell Wilson throwing opportunities. He's got just 182 uh, pass attempts on the season through their, what, seven games. So you can do the math on that. Like 30 (laughs) pass attempts will be 210. You know, it's a lot less than that. Yeah, this is the thing. I, I traded him. Uh, uh, and, 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 uh, and Tevin Coleman so I could get Jared Goff and thank God I did. Um, because you're right. You know, he, he, he's been effective in games where he's had like the three touchdowns like this last week with 248. And I think he did it earlier in the year with 198 yards, but it's just not strong fantasy production. Uh, it's not the Russell Wilson and, and he's barely running the ball, you know, because he's trying to protect himself. But that was where he would be giving you those huge yards and then hit, uh, you know, throw for 336, running for 45, throwing for uh, two touchdowns, rushing for two or, or throwing for three and one. Those days are, are not happening right now. So yeah. missing that other half, it, it becomes difficult to, to see how he becomes super fantasy viable 
the way he was drafted. Yeah, it like you need to look at other options because this is a team that's running the ball more than they're throwing it right now. Um, you know, Chris Carson's got 103 attempts on the season. They're mixing in, you know, Rashad Penny, and they're mixing in uh, Mike Davis over Rashad Penny. Um, you know, he had his, he's got 105 rush yards and a touchdown last week. And he's got three 100-yard rush games this season. Uh, that's just one of four players in the NFL, James Conner, Ezekiel Elliott, and Todd Gurley. You know, Carson looks like a stud, man, and if they're going to go with these old-school beast mode mentality, run the ball first, you've got to look for, you know, other options other than Russell Wilson. Uh, You know, at the wide receiver position, Doug Baldwin's been the most affected. Uh, You know, he had a touchdown chance last week where he just didn't drag his foot, but other than that, you know, it's been really quiet for him, man. Um, Tyler Lockett, he's been scoring though. He, he's scoring, but again, he's doing it with like minimal amount of, of targets. He, he, he yeah. had two targets last week, so it was like I was actually on the on uh, before we uh, did the podcast. I was on the phone with a buddy of mine, and he's like, you know, well, what do I do? He's like, he's like, I already put in a uh, a bid because like uh, in this league, apparently he had uh, Marvin Jones, uh, Devontae Parker, and Cortland Sutton were out there. And uh, he had Nelson Aguilar, and he has got Tyler Lockett. I said, dude, in my opinion, I'd rather have any of those over both of those two receivers that you have. Yeah. Because, again, I'm like, yeah, Lockett's been scoring you touchdowns, but what happens when he doesn't? And, and, and again, they're just not throwing the ball. You know, 17 pass attempts, Chris Carson, 25 rush attempts, Mike Davis, 10 rush attempts. Well, Tyler Lockett will give you two rush attempts. Uh, Michael Dixon, a, a rush attempt. Uh, Trey Madden, two rush attempts, all last week. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. They're spreading the ball out. We got, I mean, David Moore, we haven't even mentioned. He had a career high ninety-seven yards and a touchdown, uh, and had what two touchdowns in the game before it. He's been, you know, an emerging player. So, yeah, Seahawks offense. I, I think you want Chris Carson and basically nobody else right now. Ed Dixon. Yeah. And how about? Um, the disappearing act of Doug Baldwin. It's unfortunate, man. He's still banged up. He said he was going to play all season at, you know, 80, 85%. I got to think that's got some, you know, lingering things to do with it. Yeah. Uh, I think he's at about 60%. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's put a hundred percent of our attention to the game of the week. All right. Uh, we got a late afternoon highlighted game. You got the best team in the NFL, 8-0 Los Angeles Rams, heading to the 6-1 New Orleans Saints in what should be just uh, one hell of a game to watch. You got uh, uh, the return of Brandon Cooks uh, to his former team. So here's another revenge game. Uh, Jared Goff coming off of a game where, what do you throw, for 298 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Todd Gurley is, is amazing. Uh, you got the Gurley versus Kamara game. Uh, this should be fun. And Michael Thomas. I mean, this is a great game. Yeah, I, I'm on the the aspect of, you know, the Rams, you know, can't stop anybody on defense unless they're trying to run inside from the one-yard line. 
Um, you know, I'm on the aspect of start everybody on both sides. Like, I think you're starting Jared Goff. Um, I think you're, you know, you're definitely starting Gurley. You're starting both of the wide receivers and Cooks and Woods. Uh, and Woods over the last, you know, three games on the road, he's averaging 93 uh, yards per game, has seven games with five catches and 70 yards. So he has seven games with 12 PPR points. Uh, it's the second most in the NFL. Um you know, uh, also Cooper Cup should be back this week. And if he's back, you're playing him. Uh, so that about wraps it up for the Rams side for me. The yeah. only concern I have is Jared Goff, and sometimes he's not scoring touchdowns because Todd Gurley's fucking scoring them all. True, true. But this is also one of those games that I, I, I just, from all the aspects, you have uh, you know, Drew Brees, uh, uh so much of a different quarterback uh, at home than outside and on the road. So these are the games where there's usually a lot of points scored. So I, I feel like it's going to be up and down. And I think where Goff will get the, the benefit is that Gurley's not going to steal them all this week because one of them is going to be receiving. So, But this is also where I think we need to see Will – the Saints go back to getting Alvin Kamara more involved in this offense while you still are in it, have integrated Mark Ingram. And I think this is the game where that has to be the case. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, the Rams are going to put up a lot of points. Uh, that's for sure. The, the Rams also just – didn't they just add another piece to their defense and uh, Dante Fowler? Yeah. So they're doing what they can to try to shore up some of their, their holes on, on defense. But I think you're going to really need to have that guy uh, in Camaro who's going to be able to just get out in that space and, and use him more this week and get him the touches that he was seeing earlier. Uh, Michael Thomas is, is uh, ridiculous, and uh, he should be in line for, for a real nice game as well. If I look for one of those sneaky guys, if you're in a, in a deep, deep league and you got the, a bunch of guys on by, Cameron Meredith and Traquan Smith um, have good potential. You know, Traquan for the for the big strike, and and Cameron uh, Meredith for uh, you know potentially working those those mid uh, to mid, mid to deep routes. Yeah, I, I like them both this week. I, I do prefer Traquan though. Uh, the stretch receiver has always had a spot in the Saints offense. I just don't think that's something that's going away anytime soon. Uh, you talked about Kamara. I like, you know, the yardage has been affected by the return of, you know, Ingram. But, you know, other than that, like, you know, the touchdowns are still there. Ingram, you know, he's been set a little quieter than he was last year, but. Man, this offense is good. You know, Thomas has a 90% uh, catch rate on the season. He's playing at a ridiculous level. So, you know, you're looking at all these guys to do pretty well. Um, yeah, I, it's it's going to be one hell of a game to watch. And, and uh, it's, a, it's a perfect lead-in because we have just – one that game, and then the the game on Sunday night that we're going to cover next is the other going to be real fun game to watch. Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. Um, 
But before we get to that game, just listen to one more word from our sponsors. Sunday night football in America. Green Bay at New England. I think that uh, not many people thought the Packers would be sitting at 3-3-1 and at this juncture, but uh, I think nobody is surprised that the Patriots are 6-2 and unless they thought they were going to be uh, eight and zero or seven and one. Yeah, I mean, this looks like a good game. You got MJ talking about how much he wants to see it. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I know that. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers against the Patriots. It's a game we rarely get to see. Um, you know, Rodgers threw for just two eighty six and one last week, uh, but he's taking care of the football. Um, you know, he could have had an even bigger game if, you know, Ty Montgomery didn't take it out of the end zone, fumble, get traded, you know, lots of moving pieces with that one. Uh, but it should open up, you know, clear roles for Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, which is something we've been clamoring for all, uh, you know, season long. I'm excited about it. I acquired Aaron Jones today. Uh, I, I want to see how it goes. Well, I think this is the look, Aaron Jones, he has been deserving of getting this chance for a long time. I mean, every time the guy touched the ball, he does great things, right? Uh, for some reason, McCarthy would just keep uh, trudging Jamal Williams out there and, and, and trying to make us buy into that. That was the, the, the better play when clearly uh, Aaron Jones is just, the better guy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, so what? 12 carries, 86 yards. I mean, it's like, it's crazy. I I can't, I wish I could pull up the side-by-side numbers of, uh, of the games, but it's like he he's not averaged less than 5.1 yards per carry in a game this year. Yeah. Aaron Jones is the truth. Um, You know, Jamal Williams does, you know, seem to be a play. He's probably their third down back. He's going to be their hurry up back. He's going to be their pass protection back. So he's going to have a role, but I don't see him being as big a factor as the runner. But if he can maintain, you know, some of that red zone work that he's been getting to, um, then, you know, big things, you know, could be on his horizon. But I doubt that. I I do think they're going to go with a lot more Aaron Jones. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has been clamoring for it. you know, at the wide receiver position, Devontae Adams is a stone-cold top-five lock. Uh, you know, the rest of the guys, it did seem like, uh, you know, Valdez-Scantling jumped. Um, Equanimous St. Brown? No, he jumped uh, Geronimo Ellison. Man, it's tough to remember those guys' names sometimes. It's like you really need to think really hard to get them all correct. Yeah, so why do you think that is? Is it that uh, uh, is Geronimo still maybe got a little bit of lingering injury and trying to come back because he didn't want to lose the job, and now he is losing the job? Yeah, I do think that has you know some things to do with it, but I also think you know the Packers realized that they need some explosive players and guys like MVS and. Uh, Equanimous bring those, you know, speed and vertical stretch elements to their offense that they're really lacking. Because over the last couple of years, 
there was not a wide receiver, you know, skill position core that was slower in the league than the Green Bay Packers. And that's just a misuse of Aaron Rodgers who can extend the play and, you know, attack vertically down the field when he extends the play much in the same way of Patrick Mahomes. Well, then, and then and then if you add on top of that, here's the extra reason why. Because if you're going to use those two young guys, who's the older, slower guy that you'd rather throw to? Not even that much older, but it just seems like he's so old. Randall Cobb, right? Yeah. He, he has faith in Cobb. He's, he, he has timing with him. He doesn't want to have to have another guy in Allison potentially that's like he's not on 100% the same wavelength. So that's why Adams is locked in. Cobb is still one of those guys. And I'm not going to sit here and say that you should be playing Cobb because – uh, it, the, again, the Packers are trying to become a much more balanced team, and now that they're going to really lean on hopefully Aaron Jones, I, I think that that happens. And, and you know, is this going to be a fifty pass game for the Packers? Um, you know, Rodgers uh, uh, has has uh, yet to uh, only has one of those games so far this year. But is it more? Is it more of a forty forty five? I, I, I don't think it's a thirty like it was against the Rams. Um, I think he's going to end up throwing the ball in this game probably closer to 40 pass attempts. So I think Cobb is one of those guys, 60, 65 yards at best. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not expecting a great. Yeah, game. He's a low ceiling player right now. Uh, you know, MVS has a much bigger ceiling. We know Devonte does, uh, you know, Jimmy Graham so close to a touchdown uh, last week. They called it down at the one. Um, but other than that, man, you know, that was his biggest play of the year, I think. Uh, I don't feel great about Jimmy Graham at any time, you know, but he, he's still a back-end tight end one. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just <laughs> it's just, it's just, kind of depressing, right, when you – when you think about all these quarterbacks that he's played with and, and, and what he could be, and, he, and again, he's coming off of those two stellar games going into last week. Um, you know, you actually look at his numbers. It's just that he's, he's given you about four duds this year. Yeah. He's, every other, he's every other game. So maybe this is a game, though, look, Sunday night football, uh, guys like him tend to get up a little bit more for this type of a matchup. So maybe that's the case. Yeah, uh, let's look over to the Patriots side. Man, the Patriots, you know, look slow uh, to start in that game against the Bills. They just couldn't score in the red zone and really put the game away. But, you know, that's on the road at Buffalo. The Patriots always seem to take care of business at home. They're aiming for their 10th consecutive home win in this one. Um, Tom Brady's passed for 300 yards in three of his last four games. Um He's got eight touchdowns against zero interceptions in his last three uh, versus Green Bay. Uh, he seems to dominate the NFC North. You know, he, this might have, depending on what happens with, you know, Sony Michelle, this might be another air raid Tom Brady game where they light up and throw it 50 games, uh, 50 times. But if Sony Michelle's back, I could see it being, you know, the balance they've been playing with um, when Michelle's in the lineup. Yeah, you think you think when they, when you have to have Cordero Patterson uh, be a running back and he actually is your leading rusher <laughs> in the game, that's that's usually not a good sign. Um, the the guy who I'm, you know, 
concerned about, you know, James White is, to me is uh, is just completely locked in. Uh, he is just such, uh, especially for PPR uh, leagues, he's just been a dynamo. A dynamo. Uh, he's finding the end zone, uh, whether it be this week actually as a rusher, but usually as a receiver. And the target share is just amazing. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, you know, where is, are, are, you know, are teams just doing everything they can or is he potentially lost a step? Because it just, as you watch him, it's, it, they don't, him and Brady aren't like as on as tight of a page as they normally seem to have been. And uh, he's not getting that work in that red zone. Yeah. Gronk just doesn't look all the way right. Like, he looks banged up. He's got a back injury right now. Uh, and when you need to be an athlete, the back injury is not the greatest. But he seems to be pushing through it. If he's pushing through it, I think you got to stick with him because uh, these touchdown opportunities should start to flow his way a little bit more. Um, you know, but it, it if you're a Gronk owner, you are concerned. There's no doubt about it. Um well, concerned not only that, did you see when he was making that, that stretch for that uh, that one pass and he just landed slammed straight on his back? Yeah. Um, you know, the wide receivers, it was rumored that the Patriots were out there looking at, you know, guys like Tate and Demarius Thomas. Um, so, you know, maybe they're not happy with their depth. And they were also apparently looking to maybe deal Philip Dorsett. Um, you know, so there's a lot of moving pieces, but, you know, Julian Edelman had his first hundred yard game of the season, uh, nine catches that looks to be coming back. Um, you know, Josh Gordon's made some big plays at times, but it's just not 100% on the same page with Brady just yet. And he doesn't look 100%, you know, athletically either. He's either lacking in conditioning or his hamstrings, you know, messed up because there was that one play two weeks ago where he had a chance to, you know, make a big touchdown, you know, reception, and it just didn't go his way. Well, even though he had the one last week where it was, uh, you know, around midfield, it was like a long play downfield, and it just kind of went right through his hands. Yeah, I mean, it was a t- it was a difficult catch. Don't get me wrong, you know, he's diving for it, but he had he had the opportunity. So, and maybe if his hamstring is better, maybe he is further down the field and it becomes an easier catch. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty much starting all the Patriots though. I think this is another game where you can start them all on both sides and probably end up pretty happy. Yeah, not only that, this is one of those games that like, kind of like if there's any type of a doubt for me, I know I'm going to be home on Sunday night and I'm going to be watching this football game. I'm not going to be leaving the guy then on my bench. If I wasn't able to watch the games during the day. Um, you want to move on to Monday night and not really. I, 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 I <laughs> shut it off right here. <laughs> the, the week would be a lot better if it ended with Sunday night's game, but as it is, we do have the Tennessee Titans visiting the Dallas Cowboys uh, the, and the Dallas Cowboys who recently acquired one Amari Cooper, uh, who was able to enjoy two bye weeks in a row uh, so he should be fresh and limber for this game. But let's start as we do with the visiting team and the amazing passing attack of the Tennessee Titans led by Marcus Mariota and their traveling circus. Yeah, I got I got nothing on Marcus Mariota. Like, 
Um, they need to flat out play better coming out of the bye week. But this is a game where both teams are sort of run first teams that want to play defense. It should be slow and ugly. And, you know, I don't want any of the passing game pieces in either this team, either the you know sides of the game. Um you know, the guy you're most excited for is probably Deion Lewis is coming off his best game of the year in which he had 91 rushing yards and 64 receiving yards before the bye weeks. Um, you know, I'm not looking for anything more from, you know, guys like Tajay Sharp, who had a career high 101 yards. You know, Corey Davis is the team leader in receptions and receiving yards. But, uh, you know, he has just disappeared. Here, you know, multiple times this season, you know, nothing from the tight end position. You know, Derrick Henry did score last week, but other than that, there's been a non-factor for much of the season. You know, typically finishing as an RB four or a five. Yeah, and let me let me shoot down. You know, anyone who wants to talk about the the passing game, or if you, you know, maybe is there just a chance? And uh, Mariota. Uh, has played in uh, was it is it five games so far? Because he did he didn't he miss one? Uh, uh, I believe. I think he missed two, but don't color me positive. No, I think it's no, it was one because his his QB record's one and four, so he at least started. So he's averaging only two hundred and six passing yards a game, but six point nine yards per attempt. Hmm. And in his career, he's not that much better. Seven point four. So the volume, though, is just not there. You know, when you're looking at uh, uh, the season this year, you know, so far he's, he's only attempted 150 passes, and it is five games. So um, they're just not yeah. – there's, there's, no, there's no air yards there. That's just, it's just underneath, underneath. They don't have the game breakers, and when they do, it goes right through either um, – uh, uh, what's the name? Uh, Taewon uh, – Taylor's hands or uh, or Tajay Sharp. It's, it's just a miss. Yeah. Um, pretty much done on that side of the ball. Moving over to the Cowboys, you know, they do out, go out and acquire Amari Cooper. Um, it gives them a young wide receiver to take a look at, um, you know, during his, you know, still on his rookie deal, but as he moves towards that fifth-year option, they get some time to decide if, you know, he, he's going to be a part of the future, but I don't think you'd give up uh, a first-round pick if you aren't already planning that. Um, yeah, they better, they better be. I hope they're getting more than just a look. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dak Prescott had a rushing TD in Week 7, you know, 273. It's a struggle for Prescott to throw for 200 yards in most games. Well, this is my question, though. So you, you bring over... Amari Cooper, right? And if we look at Dak and, and what he's done or hasn't done, because it's one, two, three, four games that he's thrown for under 200 yards, um, and he had another one where he only threw for 208, it is because are they going to do more play action now because of Cooper? Are they going to do uh, give him more? Uh, is he going to maybe just connect more on deeper passes? Because we didn't see – we didn't really see a ton of that with uh, Derek Carr for Amari Cooper. We we saw some some more misses and then just erratic play. I, I just don't know how much this moves the needle 
for anyone that's like, oh, I want to go grab Dak off the waiver wire right now. I mean, I'm not saying grab Dak by any means. <laughs> I'd much rather have Case Keenum. I'm just saying, <laughs> how, how much does he move the needle? Uh, 5%, you know, Matt, overall. Like, Matt, I don't think it's... I say uh, again, yeah. meh. <laughs> Yeah, it's Ezekiel Elliott, and that's it. Yeah, I, I, there's nowhere else you can go. It's, it's and and if you have Ezekiel Elliott, I think you have to be happy. I mean, he's just been uh, it's been pretty good for you. Pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty good. So, um, I, I yeah, I think that's about all we got. Remember, you got to be sublime in Week Nine. What else you got? Ezekiel Elliott. That's all I got. <laughs> all right. Well, everyone, enjoy the Sunday night game. Definitely try to, if you can't uh, watch it, record most likely that Ram Saint game because that's going to be dy- a dynamic game, and uh, and then that way you can watch either one of you know you can watch that game again on Monday night while Tennessee is playing uh, against the Cowboys. Yeah, that's my advice. And, uh, and, and as we say without D-Rex here, we'll, get, we'll sign you off with a Val Verde. <laughs> <laughs>